0: Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. And today we have in town with us Florida Education Association President Fed Ingram. This is his first legislative session in charge of the organization, and he had taken an approach early on saying that he wanted to get things done. We're going to talk with him about how things are going along his plan. Let's take a listen. Well, Fed Ingram, I want to thank you for taking some time to meet with us here on the podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: It's great to have you here in person. So often I get to talk to people on the phone. So, what brings you to Tampa these days or St. Pete?
1: Oh, wow. So, well, first of all, I'm glad to be here. Um, I, I had an interview with the editorial board for the Tampa Bay Times, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And I appreciated the opportunity and time a lot of uh, to talk about uh, some of the issues that we care about at the Florida Education Association. And tonight, uh, over in Hillsborough County, we have. A community conversation where we have uh, stakeholders in our um, uh, Hillsborough County um, civic and social groups, their parents, their uh, activists, their clergy, and there are members that are going to be there uh, talk about to talk about education, talk about the state of education and where we are, uh, especially as it relates uh, here locally, and 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 what we can actually do about it.
0: Anything in particular that you're thinking of? Would it be? Um the state of teachers or the state of students learning or like in Hillsborough County, they have those achievement schools, the low performing ones.
1: Right. So at the FEA, we start every conversation with student success. What uh, can we put around our students um, to make sure uh, and to ensure that every student is being reached and every student succeeds. And so we start conversations there. Um, we believe that everything uh, is related to student success. Everything is um, from class size to teacher pay to the physical plan. Uh, It's all important, and we need to figure out how that comes together uh, through legislation. Unfortunately, we politicize public education so much that you cannot have a conversation about pedagogy and best practices unless you talk about politics of education. Well, let's talk about politics of education then.
0: (laughs) When you came in as the new president of FEA, I remember you talking about having a more collaborative, collegial approach, trying to Mm -hmm. make sure that you could find some common ground with the people rather than fighting with lawsuits all the time necessarily. And Mm -hmm. How's that going for you so far?
1: Well, uh, listen, we have a legislature that... uh, uh, believes highly in, uh, you know, they seem to have a one-track mind as it relates to vouchers and bonus programs uh, and things that uh, are different than what we believe in education. Uh, I have talked to the governor's representatives. I've talked to our commissioner, Richard Corcoran. Uh, I've also talked to people who historically have not been uh, what we perceive as supporters of public education. Manny Diaz, uh, Kelly Stargell, uh and other folks in uh in, in positions of power to actually make change for public education. But we have found some common ground. Uh so before I talk about the things that we don't like, I'd like to talk about some of the things that we do see eye to aisle. Eye uh, the career and technical education uh, proposal from the governor, uh, we've been talking about career and tech for a really long time. We know that a lion's share of our children are not going to go to college, uh, but that doesn't mean that life should end. We should be certifying these kids. We should be giving them a skill. We should be transferring knowledge that will lead from school to work. And so we believe in that.
0: Now, that bill that's moving right now, there are some people who are concerned that it takes away some of the key science and math. Requirements and replaces them with things like 3D printing mm. or things of that nature, computer skills versus geometry. Mm. And do you think that that's a good way to go, or is there a way that they could combine the two things together and so that we don't lose track of some of that rigorous stuff that people have been pushing for so long?
1: Oh, we absolutely know that there is a way that you can combine it. In fact, uh, public schools have done that for years. Uh, there have been um, certification programs, programs, um, you know, since I can remember uh, inside schools and if we're going to bring more of those certifications uh, programs, then we absolutely can do that. And I don't think that we should uh, short any, any of our uh, uh, um, core studies or our electives. So I'm I'm very happy about the bill. Uh I think our teachers will, will 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 be happy about that process uh as it relates to CTE because we'll start to see it in our workforce. We'll start to see it in our economy because we train the economy. That's what we do. Uh our kids are going to take care of us one way or another. I always tell people that. And so it is up to us to give them a skill, uh to hone in on what they're good at and to develop that in in a way that they can uh not only uh, become good citizens, but take care of themselves and give back to the community.
0: Now, the Senate seems to be putting a little more money towards that than the House does this year. And yeah. you seem to have come out sending, sending messages that the Senate is more on your side than the than the House. Is that is that what you're trying to tell us? Or w- w- what's your thought about this whole budget process?
1: Well, that's what we see right now. I mean, uh, the Senate seems to... Uh be willing to put a real step forward, uh, something that we haven't seen in a, in a really long time. This budget proposal uh, is probably the largest budget proposal that we've seen from the Senate in about ten years, and so uh, we're hoping that the House takes uh, takes a cue and takes some leadership from. Uh, from the Senate because our schools need it. Listen, our, our teachers are 46th in the nation in teacher pay. Uh, if you are an educational support professional, you're 47th in the nation. If you're a secretary or a cafeteria worker, you don't make a living wage. If you're a bus driver, and we have a bus driver shortage here, which we don't talk about often. Um, you know, and, and, and part of that is we, we're not paying people enough. Uh, to actually uh, uh, convince them or make a conscious decision to go into the public sector.
0: So are you telling me that the whole sunshine and beaches thing isn't working
1: anymore? (laughs) Not only are the sunshine and beaches are not working, the low taxes aren't working Uh, and everything else that we have. You know, we can't have enough Disney worlds or enough attractions uh, to get people to come and stay here because they can't afford to live here. Uh, People are suffering out there.
0: Now, you're from Miami. I remember reading that Miami was trying to find people who could afford to live in the communities that they teach. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, is that still a big issue? Because I know I lived down there for a while, and there were some communities that you could afford that you probably didn't want to live in.
1: Yeah, well, teachers are absolutely... Listen, educators and, and people working in the public sectors are having a hard time uh, because our pay has not kept up. Uh, not only has it not kept up with inflation, and has it not kept up with cost of living, um, we, 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 in, in fact uh you know are are quantifying numbers that teachers are regressing they they they're making less uh net dollars than they did 10 years ago and so that's a travesty uh when we talk about teachers who do the most important job in the world uh and they can't pay their bills and they can't feed their own kids and they can't send their own kids to college uh and they're they're working from paycheck to paycheck and from job to job that's unfortunate when you have to take two jobs and you're a public educator
0: but then you have the legislature not really looking at putting money into pay, but into bonuses, and then shoving that all into the FEFP and saying that they're increasing school funding. I mean, yeah. is our. Are they actually listening to you or are they just sort of
1: glad-handing you? So we are having these uh, conversations, uh, courageous conversations, looking into the faces of people who, who don't believe as we believe. But in my 22 years, I can quantify uh, any number of merit pay or bonus pay schemes. I, I've been in business a long time uh, from e-comp to star to map mm-hmm. to merit pay, performance pay, uh, best and brightest. I mean, they don't work. And I don't know what, you know, you saw a, a, a whole school district Denver Colorado, and Denver go out because they would not accept bonuses. And so all the research is there. All the history is there that we've had in the state of Florida. These bonus pay schemes don't work. We need to have a courageous conversation in the state of Florida and talk about how do we get our teachers from 46 in the nation to the top quartile of, of teachers being paid in the nation.
0: But if you do that, then somebody else becomes at the bottom, right? So,
1: Well, no. I, listen, we, we, we are not a poor state. Uh, th- uh this is about um you, you know it's not about s- skill this is about will this is about making people first uh and and we can do that and so i don't i don't agree with the notion that we have to squeeze one to to uh, to lift up the other i believe that there is enough to go around and i i think this uh, the people of the state of Florida have spoken loudly um, just last year. Nineteen referendums passed yeah. uh, locally. And so people believe that their public schools are important. They will they will increase a, a, a revenue source on themselves. Uh, so that their schools are better, so that their teachers are well-paid, so that they have the physical plants that they need, so that resources are plentiful in their schools. So that is, uh, to me, that is the litmus test for the state, and they should take the cue from the people. The people you know, don't work for politicians. Politicians work for people.
0: Maybe their answer is that since the voters are doing that on their own anyway, let them.
1: Yeah, well, that's unfortunate. And if that is... What You know, because our our, uh, legislators have one job, and that's to create a budget. But it's the people's budget. It's not a politician's budget. It should be about our kids. And we should lead with our kids first.
0: So I'm going to let you pick the next topic,
1: vouchers or teachers with guns. Oh, well, we can talk about either or. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, teachers with uh, uh, guns, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, so I'm from Miami. I live most of my adult life in Broward County, uh, not far from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Uh, and so, you know, my heart always goes out to uh, that tragedy. And, and not only that tragedy, all school tragedies or or kid or student related tragedies that happen in our public schools. Listen, those things should not happen. But, uh, if you think that the panacea or the solution is To arm teachers, to arm the first grade teacher who's going to be sitting, you know, uh, with with her legs crossed on the floor with a bunch of first graders and the gun falls out of, off of her hip and there's an accident. If you want that to be your kid, then fine. Arm the, arm the teacher. That, that, but those things happen. If, if you want the third grade teacher who is going to maybe forget to lock the lockbox on the gun when they go to lunch and then the, the kids do what they do, they find things, they touch things and there's a mistake happens. If you want that to be the mistake that happens in your community then fine that that is not the answer teachers want to teach they don't want to be law
0: enforcement is there nothing to the argument that you know what do they say two is better than three three is better than four as long as there are people there willing to protect those kids and can stop that shooter that it's it's at least one piece of a solution
1: no sir that is a bad idea is a bad argument let me just give you some other anecdotes uh Teachers don't wear uniforms. And so, you know, when that good teacher or good guy or good gal has a gun and the law enforcement who is wearing, you know, their job is to stop the assailant. They don't know if that's a good person or a bad person with that gun. So now you put not only kids in controversy, you put the teacher in controversy as well. And so, you know, if if there's an assailant in there and the the teacher has a gun, then how do you how do you differentiate making that? Uh, person, the bullseye, because guess what? In high schools, uh, you know, kids do what they do and they're, you know, they're kids. They will find out who has a the gun. They will understand who carries and who doesn't. If we believe that that's going to be some kind of secret in a school, it's not. Um, and, and, and I just simply, and, and not I, the FEA has a a formal position. Uh, about not arming teachers, because the lion's share of our members say that that is not an answer. That is not what they went to school for. That is not why they took a job as a teacher to become law enforcement.
0: I just found it really interesting during the House debate when you had a House member basically vilifying police officers and saying that teachers are awesome and they should all be armed because we know they'll protect our kids.
1: Yeah, it, it, it is it is just a horrible argument. Um, I, I don't know why this position continues to advance through committee and is going to go to a floor vote and, and, and probably pass because politicians believe that they speak for people and they are not listening to, uh, you know, the wide breadth and depth of, of Floridians who say that arming, you know, the high school band director is not what they want.
0: All right. Now I'm going to turn to vouchers. Sure. Um, Would it be acceptable to have vouchers if there was like more money overall for every part of the school
1: system? So vouchers have been proven time and time again not to work. Um, You know, when you take uh, public dollars and give them to private or parochial schools, listen, there's no no condemnation on private or parochial schools or or whatever kind of schools if that's your choice that's your choice and and you should have that choice but but the public good is the public schools and we should be using those public tax dollars for our public our, our traditional neighborhood schools and and that's just our position
0: why i mean why can't there be money following the student as lots of people like to say it's my tax dollars and i should be able to choose
1: what i want Right. But then you talk about accountability. So you're going to take uh, and put all these restraints and regulations and account uh, accountability measures on our public schools but then you say no we're going to give you some money and then you can go to this unaccountable school that does, that maybe doesn't have a certified teacher or maybe is giving a substandard test or is is you know maybe not teaching to the level of the public school that you took your kid from these schools do not have the same kinds of responsibilities so if you're going to do that listen fine level the playing field Make them have certified teachers. Make them take the same test that our kids have to take, and the difference will be clear. Uh, public schools do a far superior job in educating our kids than any of these other, you know, types of schools. And and we've always had these schools, and we always will. So this is again not a condemnation of those schools. It is it is how we're placing the value of our money and the public trust in the public good and the public dollar.
0: What about that Urban Institute report that came out saying kids who go to these programs through the voucher? Uh, I guess they're the scholarship one mm-hmm. that that they have a higher percentage of going to and completing college.
1: Yeah, well, obviously we disagree with that. Uh, we, we we educate 2.7 million children, and if you're going to quantify that with the small number of, of, of kids that are going to these private or or, or parochial schools, then you're picking and choosing. Um, if when when we believe that you lay out the facts and you look at the a complete report uh, and 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 complete data points, then Public schools are far superior, uh, and so we believe uh, not that public schools are 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 uh, doing everything right. Uh, we know that we have a lot of work to do, but help us to do that work by investing the proper dollar. We're underfunding our schools. In fact, we're our schools underfunding our schools, uh, underfunding our schools um, uh, uh, so much so till we have fallen about forty seventh in the nation in per pupil spending. I want to just talk about one
0: other issue, and Mm -hmm. then I'll let you pick one if you want afterwards before we end. Sure. So I try and keep them to 20 minutes if we can, but you know, since you're here in person, you know, it might go a little longer. Okay. Um, There was a story in the Miami Herald the other day Mm -hmm. about a teacher at a middle school Mm -hmm. who was basically doing bad things to kids and wasn't, I don't know, wasn't properly investigated Mm -hmm. and and got through into the upper ranks of the the union there. Mm -hmm. And and the question came out, you know, who didn't do the right job? How did the union let that happen? And it became, some, in some ways, a vilification not only of the district, but of the union as well mm-hmm. for not monitoring its own. And I was just wondering, you know, when you see stories like that and, and things like that happen, how do you explain that to people so that they understand from your perspective what actually happened?
1: Yeah, for, first of all, I think the, the facts of the story were laid out wrong. Uh, and so when, when it, when they talk about a teacher re- reaching high ranks in the union, that is a falsehood. I was the president of, of Miami-Dade, uh, at, at one point, And this teacher, uh, whom, 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 let me digress for a second. When you do things to kids, when you do things that have been alleged to have done to, to those particular kids, to any kids, uh, you should have the full extent of the law, uh, placed upon you. And you have no, there is no room for a person like that in society. Zero. And there should be zero tolerance for anyone who who does things uh, to children uh, that are less than respectable. And so I will just digress and say that. But what I will say is this. Uh, our union is, is simply put a voice at work. And that's what we believe. And so our district has a process of hiring uh, folks. Our district has a process of clearing folks. That is a, a district and a state process. Uh, the union does not have control over who hires and who, who gets fired. That is not the process that falls in the uh, in, in the right of the union. And so what we do is we follow the rules. If a person has been cleared, if a person is working, we take full responsibility from the district to say that this person is a person who who should be around kids, and so that is not a a, a failure in our process as a, as an organization, um, and, and and we think is a mischaracterization of, of 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 what was actually laid out uh, in that particular newspaper.
0: Why do you think then that it is that so many people are so ready to attack
1: the union? I I, because I think people don't know what the process is. Uh, The process is you're hired through your district and you're fired through your district. And when you have a process and you've done something to kids then that person has a hearing, that hearing is 100 percent having to do with. Uh, the district process. Our process is only there to provide due process for that person to make sure that the mechanical things are in place as, as it relates to uh, a p- to particular process. But again, if somebody has slipped or not done their job, that is a is a as is a, is a district or state uh, process, and somebody should have known about that. But that doesn't come through uh, the union to say that we are a part of that, or we agree with that, or we, you know, uh. uh you know have any have any rights to do anything about that
0: well i noticed it's also a political thing because y'all are one of the bigger groups that supports the democratic side on a lot of issues and Mm -hmm. do you think that that's part of it too i mean because it's not just this where people attack the union they also look at it from the perspective of like some of the legislation like the recertification issue what was that last year two years ago like Mm
1: -hmm. maybe both (laughs) um Yeah, so let me tell you who FEA is and all of our affiliates. We are a union that believes in, in, in two, uh, big things. We believe in professional development, uh, which is, which is the core of who we are. We believe in making teachers better. Um, I am a high school band director, uh, and I like to, you know, toot my own horn and say I could teach anybody music if you give me the right time and space and the right resources. Um, and, and, and I believe that we have so many good teachers out there. Who, who we can make better if we give them the right training and responsibility and timing and professional development. That is what FEA uh, does all over this state all the time. We are also a voice at work. Everybody wants a voice at work. Everybody wants to have some uh, uh, creative modeling uh, as it relates to how you do your work. And they want to their professional voice to matter. And they want to be able to speak for their kids. And that's what we provide. We're an opportunity for teachers uh, and educational support professionals. That's those clericals, paraprofessionals and cafeteria workers and bus drivers to say, hey, listen, here's what we think. And here's why we think. it." And it gives us a seat at the table. That's simply what we do. We we are a a voice uh, of people who care about kids every day. And that's what we do. Uh, Every conversation that we have at the FEA is centered around student success. And so when, when we talk about teacher pay, that's because we want the highly qualified teacher in front of students.
0: Do you feel that your voice is heard, especially like in Tallahassee, do you feel like they listen to you?
1: Well, for the last two decades, it's been difficult. It's, it's been an uphill battle because there has been a, a a swing to make accountability the bedrock of where we start education. And we do not believe that that's the premise of education. We we believe that the premise of education is the teacher and the student and what happens in the magic between that. And how do we cultivate that first? How do we allow teachers the time to teach, give them the proper resources to teach, and ensure that the student is learning? But if you make accountability, the start of the conversation, then you never get to an end. And that's where we find ourselves now. This is not our mess. We're trying to fix the mess that somebody else made. This high-stakes testing, uh, the standards now being changed again by the same party who, who, who implemented th- this stuff. Uh, the um, the school grading system, uh, the accountability system, teacher evaluations, that teachers, how, how do teachers go to work and they don't have any uh, confidence in their own evaluation system? They don't have any 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 confidence in it because our teacher evaluations are not about evaluating teachers. It's simply about trying to get, you know, I got you or something's wrong. This is not about helping a teacher or giving a teacher assistance or let me, you know, try to pull you aside and give you some professional development. That's not what we do around teacher evaluations in the state of Florida. We use it as, as a way out of, of, of the of the educational field, and that's unfortunate because I have been around long enough to where we used to have something called school-based management in Miami-Dade, and that's where we had a leadership team. A leadership team would get together and talk about the good, bad, and, and, and indifference at a school, and how do we collectively make that better? And we don't do that anymore because everybody's chasing the test. Well,
0: we have, I guess, four more weeks of the legislative session, so— yeah we'll be looking forward to seeing what you have to say about the next thing that they do.
1: So it'll be a fun time. Well, I
0: really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate, please go to our Facebook page, Tampa Bay times Gradebook, and you can put your comments right underneath the post where this podcast appears to keep up with the latest in Florida education, breaking news be sure to go to our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. And please keep sharing this podcast, and we want to know what you think about it. So email us your views or add a review on Apple iTunes. I'm reporter Jeff Solichek. Thanks again for listening.